Tonight, uh, we're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 17, and we're never going to leave there. We're going to stay there, and we're pretty much going to cover that, that one chapter in theme. And what the Lord put on my heart, uh, and then confirmed in my heart, and then woke me up with this morning, um, was, was one of the legs of the journey that the prophet Elijah was walking in. When we study 1 Kings and 2 Kings and, and we look at Elijah, we see that in the ministry that he had and the things he was called to, the Lord led him to many different places. Some of them high top places on Mount Carmel at the top of a mountain, a mountaintop of experience where God moved in mighty ways. But the Lord also led him to to places of, of solitude where there was complete and utter dependence on him. And that's the one we're gonna we're gonna kinda camp on. If you study through Elijah, you see that he was led to the brook. You see that he was led to the mountaintop. He went in the cave. And then we see a triumphant exit, you know, up into heaven. But tonight we're gonna talk about that place of being by the brook. When we talk about this place, it's going to resonate with almost everyone in this place because I think it's a place that we can all relate to. And if we haven't been there, friends, please pay attention to it because most likely it will be a place that if you've never been, you will be at some point. There might be people in this place tonight. This is exactly the place of where you are. And and I'm speaking to those people that when this word resonates, if this is a place with where you are, then you just need to understand that God wanted this word spoken to you. God wanted you to hear this, and he wanted your hearts to be encouraged, and your faith to be strengthened. 1 Kings chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm reading for the New American Standard Bible. Now Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, surely there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook, the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. If we can kind of pause there right now, this is interesting. In this place of being by the brook, the Lord said, go and hide yourself. And if you were to continue reading in First and Second Kings, you'll see there's another place that Elijah went to in the cave where he hid himself. There's a huge difference between the Lord saying, go hide yourself, and us running and hiding to protect ourselves. When the Lord says, go hide yourself, you can be, you can be confident and you can be sure of, of, of his provision and of his strength and of his covering. But when we take control, when we take the reins, when we take the wheel, and when we go and hide ourselves, you can be also guaranteed that, that there's difficulties that come in that because it's not a place of trust. It says that it shall be that you will drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord for he went and lived by the brook Cherith which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he would drink from the brook. The Lord brought him to this brook, and the brook was named Cherith. That word Cherith means this, 
separated, or cut off. The place of being by the brook is characterized by a few things. Number one, monotony. Every breakfast, every dinner, you're going to be provided for. It's going to be bread and meat. Drink by the brook. What else, Lord? Breakfast, dinner, brook. Wait. In our lives, when we find, we will find ourselves at times where our ministry or our lives or our faith is characterized by things that are just mundane and repetitive. Maybe unglamorous. Maybe it's like, ah, Lord, I, I, I want to do the huge things for you, Lord God. He's like, breakfast, dinner, bread, meat, brook, drink. Monotony, mundane, and ministry in small places. How many of us have ever questioned God in our place of ministry? Lord, I'm, I'm called to minister to the masses. Lord, I'm called to minister to people, not to birds. Not, Lord, you have me in, alone in this place. But what do we see in the midst of this? In this mundane and monotonous? We see the miraculous for crying out loud. Ravens are bringing everyday delivering bread and meat. Friends, it, it wasn't fruit. It wasn't something like the raven could just go pull it off a tree. It was bread. Bread is made by man. Bread is baked. And I don't know about the meat. It doesn't specify. But I'm in my mind, it's cooked. It's carne asada. It's like a big string of grilled carne asada. It's wonderful. I don't know. But it is bread. I have to I have to say this. In my mind, I mean, don't you wonder where the where the food came from every day at breakfast and dinner? In my mind, it's not like a scattering of places. It's a French dude. And he gets robbed every day, every day at breakfast and lunch. And, and he's like, Sacre bleu! There goes my French bread! You stupid crow! I mean, that's, that's what it is in my mind. You know, but it, that's probably not realistic because I don't know that the Lord had the, the ravens like steal from somebody. So it was probably more like a Mother Teresa kind of thing where she's like, Oh, I know the the ravens are going to be here soon. So here's here's bread. Come here, little birds. Bye bye, crow. And you know that's probably more what it was. But whatever it was, bread and meat every day. You got to ask yourself these questions. I mean, it came from somewhere. But in the midst of this miraculous, we got to be honest. This is a difficult place. This is not a place that any of us are going to ask the Lord to send us to. This isn't Club Med. This isn't this isn't a place of refuge. He sent him into, into a place of hiding where there was absolute dependence upon the Lord. Friends, that is both a wonderful and a, a scary place to be. Utter dependence upon the Holy Spirit. Absolute dependence. God provided for his food there. God provided his safety, his cover. What about us? What about when we're brought to that place of absolute dependence? What do I mean by that? You ever been in a situation where you have done your best, you have done your all, and you have done it hard and thorough and complete and consistent, and you've still run up against a wall? 
what do you do? You rest in utter dependence of the Holy Spirit for God to be your source, your provider. Right now in, in our kids' class, our kiddos are learning some cool things about the Holy Spirit. And I heard my, my sister and brother were sharing with me that my nephew you know, was declaring, you know, they'd say, who's the Holy Spirit? And he'd say, Noah would say, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And in this, Elijah was learning, being taught by the Holy Spirit, complete dependence upon God. So at the end of this place, you know, of the brook, there's got to be a happy ending, right? There's got to be a place where, all right, then he gets released back into ministry. Let's look at verse 7. It happened after a while that the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Okay, so happy ending, not yet, but what's next? Verse 8 is one of those small little verses that we tend to, we'll, we'll merge it in with the rest of the verses. But I just want to pause for a second. Verse 8 says, Then the word of the Lord came, saying. <clears throat> Why is that important? Why is that important? Number one, friends, when we find ourselves in this place of being by the brook, I promise you this, the Lord is speaking. The Lord is speaking. Are we listening? Are we listening? We can be certain that, that God's not doing the silent treatment with us. Friends, if we're not hearing from God, then it's us who's got to adjust something because our Father is perfect. He is a perfect Father. And no no decent Father does the silent treatment with their kids. If my, I, you know, I'm, I think I'm a good dad. But if my kids come to me, I'm not going to just block them out and give them the silent treatment. I'm going to speak. Friends, our Father is speaking. And if we're not hearing from Him, then there needs to be some sort of an adjustment in our life. Lord, what is in my life that's preventing me from hearing from You? Because I promise you, our Father is speaking. And we see in this that Elijah was listening. The problem is, we don't always like what He has to say. So we ignore it. We don't like what He has to say. Let's see what he was saying to Elijah. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. We see utter dependence upon God. We see then that the brook dries up. Then we see God's provision he goes from being provided for by birds to being provided for by a widow. And the masses celebrate. The masses cheer and go, oh God, you are so good. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for providing for me through, through birds and now, you know, through an old helpless widow. Thank you, Lord. I guarantee that's not most of our response. Our response is, what the heck? Do you just want to completely emasculate me, Lord? Tell me we don't do it. Tell me we don't question God's provision because it's not how we would write it. It's not how we want it. We, it's not how what we think the provision, provision of God is. So we question it. And we blame God. And we'll, we're going to see. Elijah does that too. I love in studying this. Elijah is just a guy. Now he's a mighty prophet of God. And he's a man of God. But he is a flawed dude. 
He is flawed just like you and I. And God used him in mighty ways just like he wants to do with you and I. So he led Elijah from a brook to the widow's house. And coincidentally, guess what the name of the widow was? Brook. I mean, not really, but in my mind it's Brook because I just kind of relate it. So for me, in this story, and it works with it, her name is Brook. The, the widow is Brook because this is the same place. The Brook and now the widow's house, it's that same place of utter dependence upon God. It's that same place of ministry in the mundane, ministry in small pieces. So it says, Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. We're about to see something in this journey that none of us can afford to miss. And we have got to grab a hold of this. This journey that Elijah is on is not just about Elijah. It is not about him. It's not about us. It's not about me. The things we're walking out, it is so easy for us to get just focused and say, this is about me. This is about my journey. This is about the thing I'm walking out. And and we fail to see that God always has bigger purpose. This leg of his journey was about walking out miraculous provision and life. For a widow and a child that needed miraculous provision and life. Verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her, Brook. And he said, Please get me a little water in that jar that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, And please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Wait a second. Verse 9 tells us that God commanded this woman to provide for him, right? That's what it said. I just need to make sure I'm right. I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Yeah. And when Elijah arrives on the scene, we see no evidence at all. We see no proof, no evidence that this woman has heard from God. She's like, uh, you got the wrong gal. We're going to make a small meal and die. There's no provision. There's no... How many of us would have quit at this moment? How many of us would have turned and looked for something else at this moment going, Lord, I thought I heard from you, but clearly I did not because this woman is not being used of you. How many of us at that point would make it even more about us? I quit. Lord, I quit. I've been your mouthpiece. I'm your prophet. I brought the word. You said, speak this. I spoke it. I spoke it. It hasn't rained. And then this. I'm out, Lord. Find someone else. Thank God Elijah didn't quit. Verse 13. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go. Do as you have said, but make a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. I love that. You, you can die. That's good. 
You can die. But first, make me some bread. That's awesome. (laughs) And afterward, you may make one for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and he and her household ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Praise God! And then her son and the widow, they lived happily ever after, right? No! The son dies! He dies soon thereafter! I'm not making it up, friends. That's all right there. That's why we put the words back there. So you can see I'm not making it up. The boy dies. And the widow blames Elijah. I love ministry. That is so awesome. That's what Elijah was thinking right there. Oh. Let's see how Elijah responds in the face of accusation. Verse 18. So she said to Elijah, that this is after her son died, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to bring to me my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death. He said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and he laid him on his own bed. Verse 20. And he called to the Lord. And he called to the Lord. Friends, God welcomes our vulnerability. He welcomes our honesty. We don't have to come with pomp and circumstance. And even the we're going to see that what Elijah brings to the Lord and calling out isn't all faith-filled. And our dad loves that. He just wants us calling out to him. He just wants us coming to him. And we can be real with God. And he called the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Elijah gets accused of bringing about the death of the widow's son. So what does Elijah do? Just going to go ahead and pass, pass the buck and he blames God. And he also, you notice the word also there? Have you also brought calamity to the widow? What does that mean? What does that mean? It means it's bad enough that my life is brutal right now. Okay, I appreciate the bread. I do, God. The ravens were awesome. But but my life is full of calamity. Even in the midst of this, Elijah is not seeing the the joy and the faithfulness of God to the full measure that we who get to sit back and read this story go, oh man, God's provision, God's provision, God's provision, a little uncomfort. Yeah, you know, but man, God's faithful. Sometimes we need to ask somebody, would you please declare over me the faithfulness of God in my life? Would you please remind me of how good God is? Because I can't see it. Sometimes we we need to ask people, remind me of how good God is. You tell me the way that you see God blessing me. Because right now I'm in the midst of all this and I just don't see it. He blames God for his own calamity as well as bringing a devastating chapter to the life of this widow. But then he acts in desperation and faith 
and then calls out to God. Verse 21, Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray you let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him. And he revived. Look at the miraculous we see in this place of being by the brook. Yes, there's difficulty that goes with it. But look at the miraculous. The supernatural provision of of food. Through ravens. The multiplication of oil and flour so that they could eat. And then the boy dies and the Lord raises him from the dead. Friends, life has difficulties. Life has difficulties. Ministry has difficulties. Being a servant to the Lord has difficulties. There's mundane parts of ministry. Hey, you know what? I... I, I long for the day when when I can minister to thousands. When I can see the Lord move in supernatural ways you know, of healing and the miraculous. I long for those days. But I am, I am faithful with everything that God has given me now and I am joyous and I give Him praise. And things are good right now. But this is life, guys. This is life right here. Highs and lows, peaks and valleys. And we live in that middle place. What are we going to do? What are we going to do on the low places? What's our response to the Lord in the low places? What's our response to the Lord when He doesn't provide in the way that we desire? in the ways that we think He should, or in the timing that we think He should. What is our response? What are the areas of our life where that we are blaming God for the calamity that we are walking through? And I say we. We're in this together, guys. We're living this together. We're walking this out together. None of us are exempt. None of us have a red cape and an S on our on our chest and, and, you know, red underoos. I mean, we're all, none of us are Superman. We have to walk out this faith day by day. You know what I love about this? God is unshakable, man. He is unchangeable. Even in the midst of being, you know, of Elijah, the man of God, the chosen prophet of God, even in the midst of, of him saying, Lord, you brought me calamity apparently to the widow too and thanks a lot for killing the boy but yet he still cries out Lord would you save him Lord would you bring life back to him he was a desperate man I mean there's no there's no scriptural preference for laying on a dead body there's just not you know there's not a precedent for that three times you know and, and on a roll I don't know he was desperate he was desperate Lord, I, I'm willing to do anything foolish for you, Lord. I'm willing to be foolish for you. I just, I need to see you move, Lord. I need to see your life. I need to see you care for this woman. Friends, as we're walking out these legs 
of difficulty in our life, we have got to understand it is not about you and it is not about me. That We are called to impact others. We're called to pray and to intercede for others. We're called to minister to others. We're called to speak life to others. Yes, God cares about our needs. But when we're walking out these difficult places, these places of being by the brook, we have got to take our eyes off of self and put them on God. If I can sum up Elijah's life, man, it is it is a random act of eyes on God, eyes off God, eyes on God, eyes off God, eyes on God, eyes off God. Now, the boy raises from the dead. Eyes are on God. Goes to the top of Mount Carmel. Eyes on God. Prophets of Baal. Eyes on God. Trenches, water. Maybe your God's sleeping. Maybe he's pooping. Shout louder. I mean, that's Elijah. He was, he was taunting them. Eyes on God. God appears miraculously, just engulfs and flames the, the sacrifices, the water. Prophets of Baal defeat it. Eyes on God. Jezebel threatens him. Eyes off God. And he turns and runs to a cave. Good Lord. Friends, let's just keep our eyes on God. I'm serious. Let's just keep our eyes on God and say, okay, God. Just because it's difficulty doesn't mean you're not in it. Just because it's hard doesn't mean you're not in it. Lord, that doesn't mean I'm outside of your will. Eyes on you, eyes on you, eyes on you. I just want my eyes on you. Just because I'm going through hard times does not mean I'm outside of your will. Now, the enemy will accuse that because he's the accuser. The accuser. But we keep our eyes on the Lord. And in the midst of it, what do we do? We encourage. We pray. We're available to be used by God. If you find yourself in this place of being by the brook, where that you are in utter dependence of God, utter dependence, and you've done all you know to do, and you still the results that you're that you're working for, you're just not seeing, then you are by the brook, and you are like it or not, you're in the utter dependence of God. So trust Him and keep your eyes on Him.